Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 10, Episode 4, titled Silence, Silence the Whispers. Uh, Aaron, it, I, I don't know. Part of this episode I like, part of this episode I hate. Uh, it's kind of the same parts I've hated of the last episode or two. <laughs> uh, that that they, they continue to rehash here. Um yeah, I'm curious to hear what you thought of this episode, though. I think I, I'm I'm with you. I, I liked most of it, including all the main plots and the main characters. I don't know what they're doing with Magna. Um, I'll take that one because I think that's my hobby horse, and then I'll let okay. you worry uh, your your man later. Um, but I I don't know. I think it's unfortunate. Um, first off, let's talk about the stuff I really like. I really like this. Um, exploration of like what makes good people bad like the the wearing of masks and that and how that can both be a savior how that can also drive you crazy uh how easily those masks can slip off when people are afraid um and seeing it all through the lens of negan and lydia um and some of the towns and that the thing that the only thing that i it's a little bit weak about that plot point is I feel like there should be one fairly beloved member of the cast that's in the bully category. Now that maybe they can be swayed, but it's kind of they, they've, they've rolled a perfect storm of like assholes, like, you know, <laughs> a, a, a highway lady that we only know because she stood up and said, we're the highway men. We think this sucks. Last episode ago. Yeah. And like the punk ass teenager from Hilltop, like throw in the one that and, and survived being have, an asshole two seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of times. And they have kind of sort of have a little bit of that with like Aaron looking the other way at the bullying and like kind of Gabriel shirking the kind of same stuff, too. Yeah. Only really Daryl's grappling with it. But I do think I wish there was a recognizable face that I'm like, oh, God, I kind of man, I like that guy. I'm a little disappointed uh, to sell it this this or to kind of show how it's kind of understandable. Like when you've lost as much as some of these people have lost, sometimes you just hate it. There's not a, there's not a logic to it. They try to act like there is, but it's just a visceral, like you killed my brother, you son of a bitch. I I hope you die. Sure. You know, and how do you live with people in that in society? Um, I, so I, I really like that stuff. Mm -hmm. Magna. I, I kind of it's, it's so we found I think for the first time that we found that the Magna has um uh well a, a romantic relationship with Yukimo, which I think they've hinted at before um or outright stated. But I there is this kind of like potential power imbalance that in the before times uh Yukimo was her lawyer, defense attorney. Did you want so, me to correct you on on her name? <laughs> is it is what is it? Yukimo? It's, you're Yumiko. close. Yumiko. Yeah. God damn it. My dyslexia strikes again. Yeah. Uh, Miko. I should just start calling Miko. And then I, that's sure. just two syllables. I can keep track of y- Yumi um, or Miko. Either one would work. Yeah. Yeah. M- Miko. Um, she did. So have this relationship, which, you know, again, in the before times, that would be considered inappropriate. Like Miko would lose her license for that kind of relationship. I don't know whether it was a very client attorney and then after the apocalypse it became close but there's a little bit of hurt feel you know like you know she feels like she's being managed uh, there's a little paternalistic thing there there's there's an imbalance in the power it's unfortunate though because they've also shown that magna is one of the most hot-headed ill-considered 
rash people in the group several times last season putting the group in danger vis-a-vis their new saviors by smuggling weapons and going back on their word and not following the rules for for you know new processes or whatever mm-hmm. maybe understandable reasons given you know her background and being in jail and all that kind of stuff but still it sucks that i'm predisposed to think well you kind of need to you know listen to what the group has to say and take you know like there's you're not very good at that magna so like I don't know, but maybe they want me to feel that way about her. Yeah, and I mean, they tried to bring her that around. Makes, that on makes that. her insufferable, though. Yeah, the last season, I mean, I recall a scene where she like did all her hot-headed bullshit and then like apologized to Michonne about it or something. Last, it was all season. still unilateral. Like she was, yeah, yeah. The group had a consensus, and she bucked it. And yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah, she cleaned. She partially cleaned up the mess that she created. Right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Like the character consistency has always been. I mean, we have a term for it. It's called moralizing, right? Where you Mm -hmm. flip flop back and forth and you just change your character on a whim based on what the episode needs you to do. Hopefully they're not going to do that with her. Hopefully they're they're building somewhere, you know, a stronger base with her. But who knows? So that was my deal. What was your what was yours? What's your thoughts on the episode? uh, I, I like Ninety uh, percent of it. Um, I think it was kind of cool, you know, having this this tree fall down on the hilltop, and it seems like, yeah, I guess I like those that scene with Judith and Michonne where she's talking about like bullies, and and Judith is like, oh yeah, bullies. You know, there are several types of bullies, and one of the types is they try and get you tired. Um, they they try and get you distracted, and so they can take advantage of your weaknesses. Framing Michonne as a baby bully, I love it. That's uh-huh. kind of <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, poor RJ. Uh, uh-huh. But you know, then the episode goes on to uh, delve into those themes, right? Like, oh, is that what Alpha's doing here? You can see over the course of this episode, Michonne's running all over the different communities. She's now on her way to Oceanside, like. I like what they're doing there because there, there's still this big question mark. Is this actually the fuckery of Alpha or is this some series of coincidences, right? Um, it brought on by the explosion in the sky that all the walkers saw. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm leaning towards Alpha because it seems like an Alpha thing to do, uh, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Right. So if that stuff is good. Uh, the problems I have are pretty small in comparison, I think. Like, I don't know what's going on with Sadiq. I, well, I do. I know what's going on with him, but like, do I enjoy watching it? It's a guy Dude. who is clearly losing his shit and needs to talk to somebody about it. He's got like this half family who he should be discussing it with, but he he's not right. Like Gabriel is what I I don't even know what you would call Gabriel to him. It's like his his co baby daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but like his ex's lover. I mean, but he okay. feels like there's a, some kind of barrier there, right? Like, because uh, there's a couple yeah. times where he sees him across the courtyard, and instead of like, something's made this weird. It didn't used to be weird. It didn't seem like, right? But something has made it weird. They've hinted about that. Yeah, I mean, he feels guilty, you know, about not doing more to try and keep his friends from dying when Alpha put all their heads on spikes. Like, yeah. I get it. I understand what's happening here, but I, I just like. I don't know. I wish they were they were progressing that rather than just like having him twist in the wind here. Yeah, and I just don't know what they're getting with like 
it feels very like unironic ghost imagery. Mm-hmm. Like Sadiq needs to get with Aragorn and get him to swear these people's allegiance to his sword and lead them off because they're they're under. And there's kind of like yeah. screaming and bull. It's like, is he having like a warts flashback or what's going on? Like that was if and if he was, wouldn't that have been the perfect opportunity to uh, sympathize with Dante last episode when they're talking about you know yeah. his war P- T- PTSD? Maybe he just like keeps all that stuff to himself um, and is uncomfortable talking about it. Even though when people give them, you know, not everybody when they see a w- emotional welcome la- mat poured out in front of them, like take that. Oh yeah, I mean, like, we, yeah, we have what the fuck? Several of those people in this community, Daryl. You know, you're never going to get him to open up unless you spend 10 years in a zombie apocalypse with him uh, and you're some kindly old uh, murder lady. He only yeah, he only helps people that he has uh, hunted their children for, Uh you know, like like if he's if he's tried to in a good way, not in a bad way, hunt your children down like in in a way to save them. That's the only people you can actually (laughs) open up to. Yeah, but Sadiq, I I don't know. I, I guess I don't know enough about his character's backstory to really understand why he's so traumatized by this event, other than it's a pretty baseline traumatic event. Like, I understand that's the thing. Like, nobody needs a reason to lose their shit in the apocalypse, honestly. But to the extent that we don't really know him as a character and, you know, it's it's a matter of like, well, why should we care? Or there's this really kind of like high artistic way they're telling the story. And I just imagine if like you're tuning into a Law and Order episode and a person's jogging through the park and all of a sudden they just grab their head and swoon and everyone around them has an aura. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Why, who, for, okay if she finds a body and kicks off the episode I'll care about her just a smidge <laughs> right, but sure. I she's just so rant I, yeah and I, that's I kind of feel about Sadiq they need to flush him out maybe this is like a six feet under thing maybe this is Sadiq having contact with the dead are we sure that that's not possible I, I think I've almost gone there a couple times in the last week or two. Like when we had ghosts, like, yeah, like what it about the show says that there cannot be ghosts. What I, 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 I guess it's like more of a scientific realistic kind of thing. Like they even took great pains to have a CDC doctor explain that this is actually not, yeah. you know, like virus. this is a virus and it's done this and it can be studied and you can even work towards it. So like I, I, that, but Z nation, baby, you know, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, they need a they yeah. need a YOLO term for like you're only on air once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah, even know. Guys... Yo-o-o. Yeah, Yo-o-o. something like that. Something like that. That's that's yeah. uh, that's how my brain spells Yumiko. By the way, that's just an <laughs> improbable list of U's and Y's and O's and A's. But sure. I yeah I, yeah you, I mean there's only one season left. Fuck it. What do you what are you leaving powder in the can for? Yeah, man. Especially when you're going to find out it's just them punks and hilltop with sheets and fluorescent paint, man. It's just it's just going to be a Scooby Doo thing. Yep. Yep. I'm waiting for the big dog to come in. The big stoned, hungry dog. (laughs) Jerry, he's more of a bear, but uh, yeah, sure. We can we can we can work that in. All right. Before we get into the recap, let's uh, take a quick break. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get into the recap. We start off with Michonne and Daryl hanging out with her family. It's like a montage thing. Uh, Daryl then tries to bring food to someone. I think it's Carol. Yeah, that's Carol. But we see Carol later. uh, I don't know. Uh, Sadiq's freaking out. Uh, he's seeing Lydia and he's being weird. Ezekiel's bothered by something, probably Carol stuff. And then a tree drops on a hilltop. And then the, you know, Walking Dead music starts playing. Mm-hmm. You get the intro. Uh, speaking of music. Oh, God, I hate. What is with The Walking Dead? Have they you had a musical like Heaven, I, Heaven I Know by Gordy? That didn't just like strike the exact emotional chord of what they're trying to go for. It, it, it The he- trouble is. Heaven I Know is I Tried. <laughs> like, what the fuck? The communities are still together and strong. Like, this is this is like falling apart music. What the shit? Dude, the 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 chords it struck were many and very dissonant. I. It's, I, I listened to this music and I legitimately thought that I had something playing in the background on my computer that was like <laughs> a different song playing at a different tempo with like uh-huh. bad instruments and they were clashing. And so I paused the video and I'm like, wait, no, that's all coming from this episode. That sounds like garbage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old to appreciate this music, but this song fucking sucks. And Walking Dead is developing a reputation to me to having shitty music drops throughout their episodes. The last couple so, seasons, I can't think of a single one I liked. So it's funny because I've we've observed because I was when I was watching this, I'm thinking like, are, did they throw this in for like Riverdale moms that like, you know, like the people that because I'm starting to feel like this is WB, you know, CW kind of kind of stuff. And I, yeah. I was I'm a big fan of Jenny Nicholson is a YouTuber that comments about all kinds of different stuff. But she did this whole thing on the Vampire Diaries and I. She wrote me to watch a 90 minute video thesis about everything having to do with it. And she touched on this, that like a lot of these shows that are catered towards the youth um, license these songs. And it's kind of like this, like um, like a pay for play deal. Like, you know, they they approach artists to get them for their like seasonal soundtracks. And they also there's like, you know, they're they're instead of like, you know, paying the Beatles thirty five thousand dollars or whatever. You've heard of that, like Matthew. Uh, Wiener has to have a Beatles song, and it took it took one hundred fifty thousand dollars to clear it for thirty seconds in an episode of Mad Men. Yeah. Instead of doing that, you have a whole bunch of um, you know, uh, record labels that you have friendly, cozy relationships with. Pitch you a suite of ten songs that you then just work into the season, and you get a little bit of cash. I don't know if that's what's happening here, but like. I don't think anyone went through their vast collection of music and knowledge and picked this as the perfect song for this scene. And I do think the AMC would right. find a way to get paid on the backside of anything, literally. Yeah. Um, and if it gets Angela Kang another $30,000 an episode, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll take the bullet. But I don't want yeah, to it's anymore. It's not good. I remember it's the hilltop. The hilltop is the problem, man. I remember last mm. season 
there there were these drone shots in the episode and the whispers come up to the gates and there is this shitty music playing as everybody's like farming yeah. out there. Yeah. It's ah, uh, I don't want to blame through Jesus. It. I thought I thought it was I thought it was Jesus that was spinning all the dopey tracks in Hilltop, but it's it's still going. Some someone yeah, someone's got to someone's got to reclaim the iPod up there, you know, maybe the tree fell on the record player and we won't have to deal with any more of these. If, if yeah, here's groaning thing, it falls over and the music just cuts. But no, alas. <laughs> yeah. At the, the end of the, the episode, the, it comes back. Well, it's the damn it's the damn blacksmith. He must have he must have reforged their gramophone. <laughs> oh, that's God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know. I hated it. Uh, what do you think of this scene overall, though? The, the little montage here. Car- Carol's <laughs> ship, me, uh, ship wheel in her house. I don't know, because like montages are an efficient way to kind of like get people up to speed on some kind of new normal. Mm-hmm. And. You, they're, they're letting us know that trends of late episodes like Carol being withdrawn at distance and being uncomfortable around her friends, maybe thinking abandoning them would be preferable to seeing them wiped out in a zombie apocalypse. Uh, Lydia feeling kind of increasingly isolated with well, along with Negan, Sadiq not knowing his place in this family. Um you know, some some softcore lesbian uh, 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 sex scenes to let us know that that shit's hot. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it, but the thing is, it bothers me. Is like, I, it's like, okay, is did I need to know all of that stuff? Um, it makes me question like whether they did establish the relationship between Miko and and uh, Magna last season, and also, yeah, the the music is just really fucking distracting. So I guess, as far as cold opens go, nah, yeah, I'm ice cold on it. Uh, the other thing that's weird about this, um character stuff here is Ezekiel I guess I didn't see this coming um, and this mm-hmm. little montage here doesn't do enough to tell me that this has been his state for a while now um, am I like forgetting a bunch of stuff that happened because last I remember he was seeing Carol off and you know it was it was not exactly like what he wanted but he understood that Carol needed to leave and like I thought they'd come to terms on that. And now he's like playing this, like, well, I've lost everything and I'm just, he's like suicidal or something. Well, I mean, I, this guy's built his whole persona on being Mm -hmm. this confident in charge guy. And we've already seen like when he has a minor setback, like when he got a Henry's brother killed, he like, he's kind of like got off kilter that way. But like this back to back loss of everything, his tiger, his queen, his, prince his kingdom like why like it's got and, and yet everyone still refers to him as the king jerry still calls him the boss defers to him it's probably really fucking with him because he just just really wants to revert to being that dude and that dude can't carry that weight that dude wants to jump off a high a high place and end it all i think that's kind of interesting yeah i guess i need to remember that this is the first time we've really seen him uh, it's the first time. Well, it's not the first time we saw him this season, right? It's the first time we've seen yeah. the hilltop. But yeah. I don't know. I guess I didn't get the vibe that he was ready to end things. Um, and, but this episode is definitely telling me that. Yeah, like who el- who is he? He's like he's like clearly trying to keep it together for Jerry, but I think he's getting resentful of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the you mask. Know, I yeah, I'm uh, I'm the I'm the deposed king. I'm the king in exile. He's feeling like. Uh, 
a not quite as crazy. Uh, who is that? Viserys? Was that the Danny's oh, Danny's brother? Yeah. All my Game of Thrones lore has been sucked out of my head the last couple of years. But yeah, no, he's it's he's I, I, I get it. I get it. And then like he kind of like some. Yeah. Well, then then I guess. Yeah, no, I'll wait to talk about that when we get to the scene at the bridge with Michonne. OK, uh, let's move on. Everybody assumes the whispers drop the tree on him and Ezekiel has no answers, even though he's the leader of this community and everybody else jumps in to take care of the injured. And uh, get the wall patched up. Is Ezekiel is is he now the de facto king of Hilltop? It they... seems like it. Everybody turns to him, right for for yeah. the next move, what they should do, and he has no answers. He just kind of stands. I guess there it makes him. sense because like yeah. the Hilltop is bereft of leadership. You know, yeah. Like you went through. Maggie's gone. Jesus was killed. Tara, Tara was, was killed. killed. Um, Ezekiel. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I, I guess that does make sense. He's kind of the senior character with leadership potential, but man, that doesn't seem like he's in a position to lead much. No, no. Um, I don't know. Maybe he gets some kind of community based leadership, like you do in Alexandria, right? With the council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's sort of incapacitated. Um. Anyway, Aaron leads some combat training over at Alexandria, and a few of the town's shittiest people make fun of Lydia. And Aaron sees it, but does nothing. Can we get like a no pot stirring clause in the Constitution? Can, like <laughs> you stir, you stir up the shit. You yeah. you're excommunicated. You're exiled from. You got you got to flush it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what we need. We've got we've got 15 fucking people left, maybe on the planet, and you're stirring shit with one of them. Yeah. No, it's uh. Yeah, I hate this I, guy I, I, so much. Yeah, but then it's like, I don't, yeah, it's, I don't know how you, how you legislate a mindset because it's weird as sure. because like, there are some people that are shit stirs, but there's some people that stir shit in particular areas and then are very anti shit stirring in others. I, it's, it's bizarre. Mostly when it's, it's like, you want to have a rule of like, don't stir shit. And then some people argue endlessly about the line between stirring shit versus just, you know, being real and right. you know not hiding problems and then you start so i don't know it's fine i mean yeah any rule you try and set up is going to be used by somebody to as leverage to get their their way yeah. right when they right. feel wrong it's like, it's like you know don't touch me as a law between brothers and sisters mm-hmm. we know how easily that gets abused that seems like a clear-cut fair sensible rule mm-hmm. but what is touching me is touching me hovering your finger five uh, you know a half inch from my eyeball clearly not literally touching me but boy it seems like a, a violation of someone's personal space right uh-huh yeah i want to see that i want to see all that legislated um and uh, over the next few years that'd be great uh all right and then judith asks Michonne some prying questions about the situation with the whispers while they're on the road to Hilltop and Michonne uses an opportunity to teach her about how to deal with bullies. But Judith, Judith actually has some teaching opportunities of her own when she says that the whispers might be trying to wear them down. Uh, suddenly Michonne sees Ezekiel riding a horse into the woods and she goes after him as the others head on to Hilltop. Yeah, I I can I really like Judith. I thought this was cute. It didn't seem it yeah. seems like the kind of sometimes conversations you have as with kids as an adult where it's like they're not laying adult wisdom on you. It's just that they see things fresh 
like it's yeah. naive sometimes, but also it's like, oh yeah, you're you're actually seeing this for a lot closer to what it is than I'm trying to make it complicated and and uh it's a really good episode with Michonne and, and Judith, I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cute. Um, you know, this is this like really good life advice, you know, like don't really talk is cheap, you know, pay attention to what people do rather than what they say. Yeah. Um and also like this, you know, it's like especially when you're talking about your enemies, but what do you do when your enemies actions are like conflicted and muddled, you know, or unexpected and unorthodox. That's when it's really, you know, tricky. I I thought this stuff is good. And it, there is a little bit more depth to what is going on with the, the whispers, you know, like, why aren't they, why are they biding their time? I think, I mean, I got ideas on it. We talked about it. The fact that like alpha's in a pickle. Now, if she just crushes, the hilltop Alexandria people like her people might always think, what if they were right? You know, uh, on the other hand, yeah. she kind of has to because their continued success is an indictment of her way of life. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, as she, as she tipped her hand to us as an audience last, last episode, um, whenever she, you know, had that breakdown, um, with the, the beta episode where she's got the shrine mm-hmm. to Lydia, right? Like she still cares about her daughter the daughter is somewhat of a protection for Alexandria at this point. Um, and you know, Michonne figures that out by the end of the episode with yeah. <laughs> the guidance of Judith, right? Understanding what's happening it's, here, but it's smart because they're not asserting it as fact. It's just something that they're trying to piece together and us knowing both sides of it. We know that they're right, but like also she'd be a fool to like pin all her hopes on that strategy yeah, for sure. Um, so, and and also the the you know explaining like what Carol did and how that made it more difficult and I don't know it's it's nice I, I liked seeing her like kind of measure her daughter and be like you know what you are you are mature enough to handle this little bit more piece of adult talk and yeah. it paid off I thought it was cute. All right, so like I said, Michonne goes after Ezekiel in the woods and finds his riderless horse and then finds him on a platform overlooking the river. It's considering something. I think it's jumping, which is pretty obvious. Uh, she tells him mm-hmm. it's okay. She gives him a hug. And then Ezekiel kisses her and then apologizes because that was weird. What is what is this deal here, man? I got a theory. I was wanting to know what you thought. His like, deal? Why, why I feel like his kiss? deal is he's looking for something, you know, like he's lost so much. This is just like some misplaced attempt at reclaiming something in his life. Yeah. Getting his mojo back because like when he lost, you know, his tiger, he's always had like Carol and his sons. When he lost his son, uh, the kingdom, he still had his his, his Royal family. When he lost that, it's like he need, yeah, like I'm nothing if I don't have something. And, and, And not that, that seems like he's like objectifying Michonne. I don't think it's that simple because I do think that they have a, a pretty good relationship and there's been signs. I, I man, I might be confusing comic book stuff versus television stuff, but I thought uh-huh. that they in both. There were signs of like perhaps an early relationship before, you know, her and Rick got things figured out that even might've been the catalyst of like them figuring things out. Um, but yeah, like he's like, you know, maybe I can be that guy again if I got this woman by my side because yeah. she's amazing. She's a she's she's just and fair and beautiful and fierce and a warrior. And like, you know, I could be king if I had that something like some, some woman like that as my queen. I can see him definitely trying to. Yeah, I need, you know, like 
especially this this constructed character is what's been keeping him going for all these years. Like trying to find any way to keep that going would would probably be a priority. It would be really fascinating though if he just keep Pat like try to find what is the underlying thing that is the good man and that that people follow without the Shakespeare shit. Like could he yeah. actually take the mask off and just be Ezekiel? Uh, yeah. Would people let him do that? That's the other thing, you know. Sure. Yeah, or is he always going to be the king to them? Um, it's a good question. I, I, you know, a lot of this talk comes in here in a couple scenes, but yeah, uh, we can probably just go ahead and talk about it now. Um, because they they sit and talk for a while, and he confesses that he feels like a failure for losing his kingdom. His son is not quite wife Carol. Uh, Michonne tells him how she coped with her own losses time after time. And they walk back to Michonne's horse and she asks him, uh, please don't ride out here by yourself again. And the next time, uh, you know, he feels like it's too much. Just, you know, talk to her or whatever. Uh, yeah, the, they they have this discussion about masks. And I thought that was interesting because Michonne has lost so much. Right. And she's become this fierce. She she had this idea that she was going to go out there and she was going to let the walkers kill her. And she would just that would be it. And she got out there and she found that she couldn't do it, right? Um, her sword, like she says, almost had a mind of its own. She put down the sword and she killed a bunch of walkers barehanded. And and that, like, I'm ready to die kind of thing was a mask that she was wearing. And eventually the mask just sort of slipped away because she couldn't keep it up. And I, I think, like, yeah, at least that's how I read it. Maybe maybe it's the exact opposite. I don't know. But that's kind of with Ezekiel here. Like he had this mask of the king. Um, and yeah, it's fallen away. But that doesn't mean that he's a broken person. It might mean that he's about to become a healthier person. Right. Somebody mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. better fits inside of his own skin. Yeah. Yeah, it, it also I because they she talks about this as if it was her time before she met with Rick's group, but also it I think it might have described the time when she left Rick, uh, yeah. or she lost Rick rather, and we saw her go out again and again into the woods clearing. And we're like, what you know, what exactly is she doing there? Um, and it does feel like she was trying to. She felt like she had to force this is wearing this mask as the leader, as the mom, all these things that like, you know, five years ago, she would have never thought, well, maybe like, you know, pre, but when she was wandering around with two zombies chained to her, mm-hmm. never thought she would be and probably resented having to be that strong. They have a lot in common. Do you think that there's yeah. going to be a relationship here? <laughs> well, they have this line uh, where they talk about the kiss and. I, I can't remember who it is that says this. So one of them says maybe another universe, which I thought was hilarious because they do hook up in the comics, right? They're they're in a relationship instead remember. of Carol. So in another universe means like the comic universe of The Walking Dead, which uh, I thought was a nice little nod. Uh, but yeah, I don't they think they're going to go there again. this time. You don't think so? Maybe. You don't think so? Because Michonne's been like, that's the other thing. It's like, why wouldn't they? Carol's mm-hmm. out on the boat. King Ezekiel needs his mojo back. He's got some mojo to give, it sounds like, because he's also low-key bragging about it. And he's like, hey, don't judge me on my suicide, near suicidal kiss. Uh, <laughs> and Michonne returns like, the, hey, I haven't been kissed by anyone over four foot tall in six years or whatever. Yeah. Worse ideas. It's worse ideas. Oh, sure. They'd make a, I mean, just like talking about your striking couples. Holy fuck. Yeah. Like, they can share wigs. That, 
did you see how bad <laughs> Ezekiel's fucking wig is here? Man, they've got Ezekiel's wig put on wrong, I swear. It's like on backwards or something because the hairline, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but he he has like a millimeter between his eyebrows and his sideburns. It's incredibly uh, I mean, that's his hairline can is, is is just can't be can't be uh, gainsaid. The eyebrow, he's it's giving no territory too much to those hair. brows. It's too the much. brow kingdom can keep the fuck back because <laughs> the this is the kingdom of the hairline. Uh, I was saying like them walking down the street would be like holy shit. That's that's uh, that's a power couple. Yeah. Uh, so then. Oh, we jump back a scene here to Negan uh, advising Lydia not to let the bullies see her sweat. And Daryl removes Lydia from Negan's area of influence and tells her to stay away from him. And they walk through town where Daryl sees Silence the Whispers graffiti on the door. Um, yeah. So Daryl strikes me like your dad giving you well-meaning advice for dealing with bullies in high school. But like it's it's not good advice. Like, don't give them yeah. what they I mean, don't give them what they want. Uh, Try to avoid them like eh, no, that's not like that's, you know, maybe the tiring out strategy work, punch them in the face will work. But like I my experience, that doesn't that that's not going to do it Um, once once you're you, once you've actually been set aside as a person to be bullied. So and sure. I think that Lydia understands the futility of that. Oh, well, I'm the outcast in a group, so I should just avoid everyone. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> I should yeah. I should not give them a reaction, even though I see the stalwarts, the people who were described last episode as a saint, is turning the other way, seeing my obvious, you know, torment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck these people. So she's losing Daryl, or Daryl's losing her, and here stands Negan. Who yeah. suddenly seems very wise and based and, and ready to listen to the young folk. And yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, but I don't know what else. What what other did anything is like, I feel like Daryl should level with her and be like, hey, you know what? I used to be an outcast, too. Let me tell you about how when I met this group and how I felt about him and my brother and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, but he'd have to open up about himself um, and, and tell him, tell her about the time that he did exactly what he was suggesting and avoided them by going off into the woods by himself for yeah. long periods of time and how that worked out for him. Yeah. Just, and maybe he thinks it worked out fine and she can go maybe. and live out and, you know, like you don't have to be a, uh, a whisper. You don't have to be an Alexandrian. Just, I don't know. I just felt like, and, and it, I'm not criticizing the writing. I'm just saying it's frustrating mm-hmm. that Daryl's doing this um, in a, in a genuine way because yeah. she needs someone to, you know what Daryl needs to do is like have like fucking hard conversations like you know like he sees these guys like, like I'd love to see these people bully uh, her like like if Daryl rolls up on him be like what the fuck you doing she's this little girl you know like people like that Aaron standing up for that's all it needs to happen but I don't know yeah um, and she handles this I think in the, the Negan way right she goes and she becomes uh <laughs> the bully of the bullies i uh, not not quite but like she okay well if you're gonna if you're gonna make me this weirdo i'm gonna show you what's yeah. weird and she goes and yeah. messily eats a squirrel at the the lunch table uh spraying blood all over everybody they promptly leave and then afterward yeah daryl tries to come up and give her some advice on this stuff he's out of his depth and lydia storms off uh the way daryl handles this makes me think that the story he told Carol about the trucker was in fact 
or about his dad being a trucker last episode was in fact mm. the fake story was it was not real that was a fantasy because he's just not eloquent enough to get that point across with like this long fable that you know <laughs> lures them in and then comes around with the haymaker punch he he doesn't really do that yeah he's more like hey what you doing why yeah. do you do that can't you can't you avoid him hey well, yeah <laughs> right. I, you're, you're right, right. You're right. So um, probably that's maybe, the fantasy. Maybe for all you're you're on enough meth, he sounds that eloquent. Oh yeah. You know? Okay. I don't think that's how meth works. I don't think it it, it uh, <laughs> heightens your appreciation for someone's yeah locution. No. Uh, so we go to the hilltop again. The walkers keep banging on the tree and the wall at hilltop, and they decide they're going to try and fortify the wall. Um, and buy some time so Luke and Magna sort of lead the group out uh, out of the gates to thin the herd yeah um, professor your mace sucks and you're going to find out how bad it sucks in about five minutes uh, what the shit like why would you design something that seems almost uniquely designed to get stuck inside something once mm. you, you swing with it like go for blunt force trauma and it's just a big like a big like mace with maybe some spikes on it or something. Yeah. But this stuff is like, what the fuck, man? You spears. Spears, it seems like it's the apex hand to hand thing. Keep yourself ten feet away from a zombie, have a pointy thing that you can just jab in and out. Well, all uh, the spears are this, down an ocean side with the the shields. Maybe. But I just felt like this, this, they're, they're, they're getting stupid. They're getting yeah. stupid with their shit again. The, the, the blacksmith needs to calm the fuck down. <laughs> He's trying new things, man. He's got to experiment s- with his craft. Yeah. Put, put, put away the fucking D and D weapons manuals and the Warhammer <laughs> fucking shit and just uh-huh. stick to the basics. Stick to the goddamn basics. Stop his Ren Fair LARPing. You're going to yeah. wear yourself out swinging at 50 pounds. What are you? You're not Bobby B. You can't swing a Warhammer the size of a fucking anvil uh, all, <laughs> all night long. Get out of here, Professor. Come on. True. Uh, so we're back to Lydia. She is assaulted by the bullies in the dark. They're about to beat the shit out of her until Negan shows up and puts an end to it. Unfortunately, he gets a little rough and accidentally kills some girl named Margo, who I don't even know. Yeah. And, and, and then there's like a crowd gathering around. Lydia tries to tell a crowd that Negan didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Sadiq freaks out. Um, and we'll get to the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of sucks. You know, sometimes uh, you slip trip, you fall and you, you hurt somebody and you get killed. Like humans are <laughs> fragile. It's true. It does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could slip and fall against a wall, I guess. And though you can. Your yeah, you no, can. No, you can. It just seems hmm, a little unlikely in this scenario. But OK, if you want to say like site in universe rules. Sure. But like, yeah, it's like there's like. Uh, yeah, that's why it's uh, always risky to get in fights, man. You shove somebody and they slip off the sidewalk, bash their head. They're in a coma oh, yeah. or something. I mean, sudden, I've seen you know, Con like, Air. Sure, you can you can yeah, do a lot of hard time for that. <laughs> there you go, especially if your hands are registered as deadly weapons. You know, yep. you can keep those in your pockets. Now you're concealed. <laughs> Just can I ask you this? I've always wanted a hard to know. time with Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and Dave Chappelle. That that's 
that's a complete fabrication right there is no law that says like your hands are deadly weapons there's no no, like oh you were trained and so you meant to kill but i did i did read an article about guys arguing it that's like um that really kind of made me rethink self-defense about like yeah the two guys were getting scuffle and one guy just shoved the other and as he was falling back he tripped hit and killed himself and this guy suddenly is, uh, is on trial for murder i can't remember how it went but it's like fuck man you know yeah, uh, it, it it that stuff happens. I mean, I've seen but, Universal Soldier. You think Dolph Lundgren meant to go in the chopper? I don't think so. <laughs> in the, the meat I, grinder. But it's like, and you're right on this show. It felt a little bit like you know maybe they would have I don't know have her fall back on a tomato steak or something, something no, a little right, bit right. more than just oh she slipped and hit her head against the wall. I guess it was weird. Uh, yeah, but but you're right. It does happen. Um, that's a bad look it's a bad look the guy's been very. defending the whisper girl then like this is like a political narrative that doesn't need a lot of spin to get people all riled up and they're doing a really good job of showing how reactionary people can be in these environments yeah speaking of reactions mm-hmm. Sadiq totally normal right this is a thing that I do I don't know about you but I do it every day I wake up seeing visions yeah. I, I, I you know wipe the, the fog of sleep out of my eyes fill my sink with ice and water and I stick my head in and I shout as loud as I can. Let me ask you this. Uh, They don't have ice in the apocalypse, do they? Apparently. I thought that that was a flashback of him being tortured. Um, Like, is this going to be like, who's that guy by by Alpha? No, no. I think this is is stuff that happened. I think this is stuff that happened before the apocalypse. He's, he's traumatized by who is the How does that explain Iraqi the intelligence officer and lost? Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Is it Sadiq? <laughs> Their names are almost identical. And it's yes, Sadiq they're and both Sadiq, from the Middle I East. Believe. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I, 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 I desperately don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. The Iraqi. Uh, the, uh, yes. So I wonder if it's like the opposite of that story where he was like a, a torturer and this guy was a torturee. Because, yeah, like holding someone's face underneath like a bucket of ice water, I imagine could be a torture technique. Yeah. But I don't see where you could possibly get fucking ice in the zombie apocalypse. Like maybe maybe in the glory days of Alexandria where they had fully functional batteries and so all that kind of stuff. But like here, there's no way. I don't understand what you're saying here. So you're saying that this scene is a flashback. To him he being was, tortured. Face was, his face was in a basin of water with ice in it, and he was screaming into it. There's no way agree. that basin. So you think that there's a basin full of ice that he just stuck his head in <laughs> currently think. in the zombie apocalypse? Where Wait, did the ice but, come but you're from, Jim? You're saying he's tortured. Who put his head in the sink? So, we don't know anything about him. I'm thinking they're starting I to, thought we they're watched starting him to fill him fill in with by ice. I, we watched the man. Is he torturing himself? Did we do? Did, I, did we really? Did we do? I missed him filling the base so he's got ice in the zombie he's apocalypse ice. he's a doctor he's allowed to have ice hilltop has ice to people who are working washing machines with stationary <laughs> bicycles are making ice yes maybe we're too hard on this blacksmith guy man he seems incredible well i mean i don't believe for a second that the blacksmith built the ice maker i think mm. it, it, if anything i, I don't I'm know guess I mean, they were yeah they were making a cold they were making a cold compress for lydia too for mm-hmm. her ribs they can make ice. They can make in ice. The zombie apocalypse. Okay. Well, I was well. I was way off. I was way off. I thought this was. I thought these like. But but they are. Do you understand? They are like. 
is he flashing back to just like what happened to him last season? Yeah, I, I think that's it. Oh. Like he's just traumatized by the spikes on the head or the heads on the spikes and he can't deal with it. He's shoving his head into ice water, wasting valuable ice in the apocalypse to shove his face into it and scream. Just to have a good old fashioned ice cream. <laughs> Ice cream, you scream, Sadiq scream, screams scream. for ice cream. We all scream for ice creams, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh, let's move on. Do you know on. that those words were I, those words were already out of my mouth before I realized what i just done? Yes. A good old-fashioned ice cream. Okay. It's, I, uh, it, it's fine, because they they were glorious. Uh, talent. Talent on loan for God, I guess. Uh, speaking I, of talent, <laughs> Lydia, uh, Dr. Dude. Dr. Dude is passing up Lydia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl stops by. He tells her <laughs> he stops by to see her. She tells him how sweaty and and repulsively smelly her father mm-hmm. was, uh, and how smelly dad. At least when he was alive. Um, but that he would have oh, protected he smelled, her. He smelled like hell after he was dead. You should, oh, yeah. should have His seen it. Deodorant situation didn't improve. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, and she also tells him that Negan saved her life. Uh, keep in mind let, let's yeah let's also keep in mind that this is a girl who has spent most of her <laughs> truly sentient years living beneath a layer of dead walker skin and she's saying that her father smelled so it's exceptional yeah <laughs> can you imagine what he must have smelled like uh, dude that won't wear deodorant. I mean, like, how committed is he to not wearing deodorant? Because, like, you know, she's talking antiperspirant. Because uh, some people have. Are she talking about just like deodorant? Like, just it's 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 anti stinky. Can, can the guy not wear like talc? It, it itches. Uh, cornstarch. It itches his pits. Just man. nothing. He's yeah. just just raw pit. Oh mm-hmm. man. I mean, I don't know. It gets hot. It gets hot in the Baltimore area. Sure. That's like a swampy, swampy area. I would think that that would that'd be hell. Yeah, it'd stand out from the the layers of dead skin. Your rotting skin. Oh, yeah. I mean, she has a vivid memory of how badly it stank. And she spent years under rotting walker flesh. It's. (laughs) Yeah, it must have been bad. Mm. She got used to it. No wonder Alpha's so crazy. She had to sleep with that guy night after night. Oh, my God. It's true. Anyway, I I don't know. Uh, Daryl goes to see Negan, who's back in his cell, and he says that the Alexandrians wants to kill, want to kill him. Uh, Negan says, "Look, it's an accident. She's uh, the the girl he killed is an asshole anyway." And he goes on to explain that they've got him all twisted up with hope. Daryl says, "You'll get your chance to tell your side of the story." Do you think that? So I was watching the scene. I'm like, this is a really good scene because Daryl and Negan have like a lot of history yeah you know like arguably worse history than than um rick you know i guess they killed you know like like events negan related events led to carl dying um Mm -hmm. but like negan never held rick prisoner and psychologically tortured him with easy street yeah right and I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder if they're going to actually get into that. And they never did. It's just all kind of illusions. Like, I know you spent many not fantasizing about my death and now here it is. And you're not even sure, which is a pretty sick line. But I'm like, I wonder if the writers would like to cite more of that personal history. But it's just too ridiculous. 
Like, you know, you had me in a box for three months and make, tell me, tell me I was on easy street. Huh? Huh? Like, it's just going to be, it just sounds dumb if you retell it, you know, it's like, yeah. nah, let's like, everyone knows, everyone knows they got history. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to nod at some point though. I want like maybe right. one of the records that the, <laughs> that, you know, Luke and, or maybe one of the songs, the next, uh, Ren fair they put on maybe Luke and, yeah. Boston Rob can perform Easy Street or something. I remember writing this in my Triggered notes and I never Darryl. used it on air. But like when when Daryl was kind of going through his lonely woods, uh, woodcrafter dog kind of lifestyle. I thought it would have been so sick if he just whistled a few bars of that just to let us know that Oof. he's kind of like not in a healthy mind state. You know that this is him yeah, kind yeah. of like and they never did. But I mean, yeah, something like that where it's like if he's like having a you know, you, you know Daryl's down bad if he's like, you know, that that song is is coming to mind. But yeah. I don't know. It's just re- it's kind of ridiculous. So it's like <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there there are I things in here though. that are not ridiculous. Like I Daryl has no love for Negan, but he also has no love for abusers like his dad was one. Right. Um, there, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if you remember, but way back when Merle was still on the show, like governor arc season four or something. Right. They go into this a little bit um, where they're at both in the woods and they have this discussion about it. Uh, so, yeah, you got to remember that, like. Also, he's sort of inclined to believe Negan here. Lydia's telling him the thing uh, is true. And mm-hmm. he doesn't like people who abuse, especially no. kids. So and he sees that, that, like he says, I think it's him later on. He's like, there's a rot here that if we don't get sorted out. There won't be anything left. Maybe it's Michonne that says that. Um, but like, yeah, he's starting to come become aware that like. You know, maybe a year ago he would have been like, yeah, Carol, let's blow this popsicle stand. This place sucks. But now he's realizing like, no, like this, there is a threat here that can undermine everything we've done. You know, everything they're written like that. It's like, that's, I think, I don't know what Daryl would do if he turned his back on like all the sacrifices people have made to get this far at this point. Yeah. Like, I think he's a true believer at this point um, in a way that like Carol might be just a little too. You know, if Daryl had kids that could have been killed along the way, maybe he could be that broken, too. But he's just like not going to not going to let his friend Rick's accomplishment crumble into the ground. We're going to we're going to talk about Carol, but let's take a quick break first. We'll be right back. All right, let's talk about Carol. Uh, She's sitting on her porch and Daryl's there and she asks him about what uh, the town's saying about Negan. And Daryl believes that he saved Lydia. Carol thinks this whole thing is a distraction from the whispers, um, you know, with the stuff she's heard about Hilltop and all that. And Daryl's more worried about the turmoil within the town, like you said. There you go. Yeah. Uh, The way they're talking here, especially the way that Carol is talking specifically, I'm wondering if it's not Carol spray painting this shit. uh, Silence the whispers. Oh, fuck. Because she obviously wants Alpha dead. Uh, we saw that last episode. Two two episodes ago, painting yeah. right on Daryl's well, door. I don't know, man. I could see Carol doing some uh, anti whisper propaganda here, stirring the shit. Man, if you will. the way she says, the way she says, should have gone to New Mexico, takes on a whole new meaning. Like I tried to get <laughs> us away from that, and now I'm. Yeah. But I don't know, like that. Oof, that would set me against Carol pretty hard if she's. It's one thing to be like, hey, I told you this was going to happen and it was inevitable. And, you know, I told you so. I was always right. It's another thing to like stack the deck against it. 
Like, I don't think this, the, I don't think the structure is going to stand. Well, if you're at, at working hard at night, cutting the foundations, then like, well, you know, you're, you're making a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, that was kind of what she wants, right? Like she wants the town to get pissed off enough to actually go do something about Alpha. <sighs> to go do something about it. Yeah. yeah. She kind of could be that crazy reactionary. It's disappointing, but I could see, I could maybe <laughs> see it because you're true. right. We talked about it last last episode. Like she was ready to take, uh, she was ready to inflict a communal punishment on everybody, damn the consequences, just to have a revenge. Last episode, so yeah, yeah, she's kind of lost. Maybe she should go back on the boat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and um, she's up also having a hard time making. You know, that's the thing. Oh my god, they 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 set this episode where she's like, you know, sleeping in late, and Daryl's taking her to the breakfast. Maybe she's up late la- that night graffitiing the whole fucking town, apparently. <laughs> apparently, yeah. It's her yeah, own door, yeah. too, which I think, you know, is used I to think it's like, there's camouflage her. So, true. Ooh, yeah. Couldn't be mine. So, it could be me. Look at my door. It's all fucked yeah, up, Yeah, why too. would I pay my own door? And Daryl's yeah. my best friend? Yeah. I don't know. It's just my guess, but I'm calling it now. Uh, then the group holds down the hilltop walls, but there are just too many walkers, so they retreat behind the wall again. Um, the walkers break it down and enter the hilltop, and the hilltoppers fight them off. Uh, There's a whole Magna getting pissed off because she doesn't want to retreat scene. Yeah. I mean, I, like, honestly, they might not have had to retreat. Um, they might have had a better chance of keeping this wall up if they didn't stand right in front of the broken section of wall and try and kill the walkers like lead them away lead like mm, stand mm-hmm. you know 100 yards or yeah, 100 feet don't down the breach wall. A wall walkers don't want to breach a wall walkers want to eat people exactly yeah so lead lure them, them away from the gaping your hole juicy in your walls. i don't know but you see what i mean about fucking professor's mace like right off the bat it gets stuck in a zombie and he's having <laughs> to spend five minutes wrenching it out of this skull like yeah. fail that's a bad weapon. That's not a useful zombie weapon. Yeah. So and when you contrast it with Judith in this fucking hat, I I love this Judith in this hat with this sword, you know, just poking holes and zombie heads. Uh, no, yeah, no trouble man. getting the sword out. Like, I think that she spent some time training or maybe I read that, that she's like a martial artist herself, but like she moves really well. And it was really mm. cute, cool seeing her do this and also her mom being proud of her. Yeah. It's also really cool seeing like King Zihu kind of spring the life, you know, having people to rally to a defense of something like very, very futile to like, you know, defend the breach in the wall. Like King King Theoden screams that in Lord of the Rings. It's like that's uh, right in his wheelhouse. Right. Defend the breach. Um, oh, yeah. I, it's 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 a good scene. Uh, if if some of the survivors had less ridiculous, like their wrist rockets are cool because they actually probably would be pretty bang up zombie, especially with their melon ripe heads. Yeah. Of this era. But uh, yeah, get get the fucking get this fucking mace out of here, man. Get a <laughs> get an axe or a hatchet or a crowbar. Anything would be Something. better than this. Yeah. A, a broom handle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get a broom handle. Get a, a lash, a, a knife to it. Boom. You've got a far superior zombie fighting weapon than this fucking thing. So then we get a scene where Daryl and Michonne update each other over the radio while the town council gets Lydia's attackers side of the story. Uh, Michonne tells Daryl that they need Lydia alive or else they're more likely to be attacked by Alpha. Daryl promises to keep her in Alexandria and then Michonne gives Daryl her proxy vote and then gets a call on the radio from Oceanside. 
He can be the ultimate fence sitter by saying, I vote no, but Michonne votes yes with proxy. <laughs> you know yes. what I'm saying? Like he's just he can't yeah, I'm just no gonna vote. it's right. Yeah. I'm I'm the I'm I'm Mr. Centrist. I'm Mr. Moderate Centrist. Uh nobody she, can accuse me of anything. She she you know tells him all the stuff about like uh how she thinks the this all a whisper uh, attack and like she they need Lydia alive and all that and she says let's just keep this between us for now guaranteed somebody's listening in on that radio right that would be an interesting reveal if the whispers have like some kind of CB thing or somebody's was yeah especially since there's enemies within now too not enemies but factions factions that are working against yeah. perhaps the council um yeah that would be an interesting interesting plot yeah, like the oh council God. is being spied on and worked against. What if Georgie is funding Alpha? Oh, boy. Oh, my what? God. Wheels within wheels. Not <laughs> With what, stupid. walker skin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I got pelts. You're right. Yeah, in the deep place, in the real deep place, she's got like a jacuzzi in there. Oh, hell yeah. She got a jacuzzi and the ice cube producing refrigerator. <laughs> For all the ice creams that she wants. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so we go back to the council. They're arguing over whether to kill Negan. Daryl votes no for himself and Michonne, which ties things up. And the deciding voter, Gabriel, decides to sleep on it. Fucking Gabriel, man. Come on. Yeah. Um, this is... It, it, where, where do we leave this episode? Is it the next day? Because... Like one of the things that Daryl is saying here is the people outside are going to make a choice whether you do or not. And Gabriel just delays the choice. So I'm assuming the show is going to take that and run with it. Um, the next episode, we're going to have townspeople making that choice and then trying to well, go. After I think Negan. I think what's already happened because uh, Lydia made a choice is unilateral. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, they might go so after like, Lydia. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they're. I don't, I don't know because like Gabriel I kind of inclined he's been weird this season I've kind of inclined to think of him as kind of like a hand wringing do nothing kind of guy mm-hmm. and like you know him like oh just uh, this the council he's just like he's trying to get out of the situation every single set, step of the way it's like oh the council wasn't meant for this like okay well then yeah. ne- you know next time maybe have a judicial committee that it's a rotating list of three people that blah 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 you don't have to have the whole or you vote for that and as a something, you know, like aside from the city council business, the judicial is like, you know, because like, how do you hold the committee? Well, if the committee, the, the, the council commits a crime, you know, that's all interesting, sure. good stuff. But right here, right now, motherfucker, you need to make a decision. Yeah. And he doesn't. And as Daryl predicted, um, it's going to lead to bad shit. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the next morning, weird too, though, this season, I thought Daryl has. No, Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel's been very pensive and weird this whole season, too. Yeah, it seems like he's been, like, distant from his life. As a council member, he's, like, taking shit too seriously, maybe? I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah they imply weird. that he hasn't been there as much for the baby, but uh, exactly. they, him and, him and uh, Rosita were walking this, this episode with him out, so... Hmm. I don't know. I know. I, I could be... I could be misinterpreting some of this stuff so the next morning michonne tells the hilltop that she's headed to oceanside and she's taking some supplies with her 
couple of wagons. Uh, Luke volunteers to go with her to see Jules, his his crush, who he was flirting with in episode one this season. Uh, Eugene won't be going back in favor of staying to fix the wall, um, and Michonne is taking Judith with her to Oceanside. I'm I'm worried Conspicuous. for the fate of Hilltop now that we have Eugene staying there because oh, but did you but. see the bonding moment of like insect esoterica that him and Luke had? <laughs> Well, they're shipping Professor out, so he won't be. Con- they they won't cross contaminate each, each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, I just Blatodia, mm, Eugene. Like what the fuck? Oh, the cockroach. I can't these, wait these to see guys. Eugene interacting with the blacksmith because that's the guy he's going to have mm. to go to, right? That's going to be his like liaison for engineering. But but the the lead is being buried here, which is a conspicuous discussion of Eugene's science and technology skills. Reminding us so that when he comes out with the Eugene Manhattan project in a couple episodes, we're not going to be like, well, this came out of left field. Yeah, I'm a, he's an he's a whiz at uh, material science and engineering mm-hmm. man, man, build a bridge. He can build an atom bomb. I believe man, put <laughs> man, man, uh, knocks together a flour mill powered by the wind. He can build a bomb. Sure. No yeah. problem. I believe I mean, that. you're building an arcade machine right now. I'm a little sure. worried about what other projects you got. For I, yeah, I got a I got a fat I got a fat boy of my own. I'm building. <laughs> but I, I do like that. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's funny. I think it's funny in like a Star Trek The Next Generation kind of way that how everyone is kind of having fun. It's like Eugene's data when mm-hmm. he's talking about I'd like to stay and fix the crooked tooth of uh, Hilltop's otherwise pristine smile. And everybody's yeah. like, you mean it's Finn's data? You stupid. I like that. I like little moments where the audience and the characters can kind of chuckle at somebody. It's good. Yeah, Eugene's a lot, and it's taken years to get used to him. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm there. Yeah. Man likes a colorful metaphor. Who doesn't? And I can't tell if Michonne sees this or not exactly. Um, but she is being shuffled off from community to community, right? Does she connect the dots on this thing that Judith was talking about earlier in the episode? Hmm. I don't know. What are you, are you talking about the wearing out strategy? Yeah, yeah. Are they trying to wear the Alexandria bullies out? Like, no, what's I think, your... I think Alpha's trying to wear down the uh, Michonne specifically. See, I I still think that there is I I like from the one-off walk whisper episode. I really do. I'm I'm a full-time believer of the satellite thing. And like, here's the thing, like Michonne, what she said here in this is like you know one time is a coincidence. You know, mm-hmm. one time's an accident. Twice is a coincidence. Three times a trend is is like broadly what she's paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, that's actually a pretty like interesting Occam's razor kind of tool to have in your toolbox your intellectual toolbox analysis uh, analyze stuff but yeah. like when you have an un but it leads in people into trouble when you're dealing with a truly unprecedented event like a satellite falling mm-hmm. from earth that could plausibly bring zombies from a thousand miles away in all directions like that is that is a very plausible scenario so they could be doing brinksmanship where there's none that needs to be played um and I, I, I don't know, but I still think that that's probably right now. And, and it would be a very interesting thing for the walking dead to play with that. Like neither alpha nor the communities want a war, but they're going to war because of each other's unperfect understanding of what's going on. That's fucking pretty cool space to explore. I think 
lots yeah. of dramatic possibilities. Guess we'll see. Uh, Magna is super disappointed that they didn't try to hold off the walkers entirely, and she takes it out on Yumiko. Yeah, I talked. I already said my piece on this. I think that yeah, this is an interesting thing to explore with their different power dynamic and relationship and all that kind of stuff. I just wish Magna had demonstrated a little bit more of a better head on her shoulders or like you can start off impetuous, but like learn that lesson over a season or two. But I don't feel like that's what's happened. she's just kind of like, uh, she comes across as a child wanting their parents to let them do something because they're grown and without having demonstrated the skill to do it. Kind of like, you know, let me do it. Let, I want to do it. Well, you're just going to fuck it up. No, I want to do it. You let them do it. They fuck it up. You know, <laughs> why don't you let me do anything? Well, cause you suck. <laughs> so Magna stop stop sucking for a season and then yeah. then we can talk that's, maybe that's take some I'm lessons so. from Judith she'll teach yeah. you how to be cool yeah so she'll give you a friendly ear second pair of eyes and a friendly ear <laughs> I was Judith would probably say you know it's like sometimes uh, you know my mom tells me I, I can't take juice in the, the, the living room because if I spill it'll stain the carpet mm-hmm. and I do it anyway I guess what I spill it and stain the carpet then I then 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 I, I maybe wait for a birthday before I ask to take juice juice into the living room again. That's probably what yeah. she would say. And Magda would be like, <laughs> fuck you, Judith. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you don't know anything. You're just a child. Uh, yep. All right. Gabriel visits Negan and finds out that oh, he's missing and he tells Daryl. And then Lydia tells them that she's the one who let Negan out voluntarily imprisons herself because that's what the town wants. And when Daryl comes to see her, she tells him all about the masks that Daryl's civilized people wear. And she says she belongs in a cell because it makes her feel safer. So Daryl lets her stay there. Yeah. She's playing it like I, uh, this, the Alexandrians have played right into Alpha's hands by Mm -hmm. behaving predictably because now Lydia, uh, who really wanted to give things a try and who is moved by, you know, adolescent love but still genuine love to to try to be better and and take these people at their word have found them to be hollow hypocrites that sucks if she ever makes her way back to alpha i imagine she'd be an even more devoted whisperer at this point that really sucks so too bad we have to act like that (laughs) and i'm i'm happy to see the walking dead go for a large a larger like overarching theme of these masks, right? And they've been doing it for a while now. And I feel like this era of The Walking Dead, when they do something like that, it mostly pays off. Uh, this stuff is paying off. I, I don't think it's cheesy. I don't think it's overdone. I think it's like, you know, it's not the most perfect thematic uh, thing that I've ever seen done in a show, but it's also light years better than what they were doing in the previous seasons. Yeah, I wonder how much of this comes from the comic book, the thematic stuff, because Kirkman was pretty good at doing that stuff, too. But like, I don't know that he's like this, this bringing back the analogy of Michonne and her initial affect and King Ezekiel and how that's all still a mask in the Mm -hmm. context of the whispers. That's, you know, it's 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 above average storytelling. Um, Sure. And I I don't know if that's something that came from Kirkman himself or or what. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than the stuff they were doing with Morgan and and clearing and all that stuff. Like that stuff started out good, but man, they went overboard with it. And man, they kept that theme alive way too long and and never, never did anything with it beyond the singular thing. 
this feels yeah. like they're giving each character a, mo- a couple of moments to explore the theme of masks. They're applying it to the larger community and the people inside of it. I've, I've been pretty impressed with what they're doing with that stuff. And instead of coming out of nowhere, it comes out of a, a rich place in the character's history. Like the mask uh-huh. stuff, you know, like uh, for Ezekiel, it's very easy to see King Ezekiel. I mean, he's talked about it, how that was literally a fabricated persona that he took yeah. on, you know, as a way to survive and then thrive in it. And Michonne, it's like, it's a little bit of, she never explained it that way, but like when she sits down, it's like, oh, yeah, this has come out of left field. And that's why it's like, and I don't know, some stuff with Magna and Sadiq, it's not like it comes out of left field. It's more of just like, we know so little because these characters were just parachuted into the main narrative because we killed big characters and we need, oh, shit, someone's got to carry the plot. And they were neglect, you know, it's like, I don't know how you do it better, but Maybe maybe weird ghost nightmares and childish tantrums isn't the best way to to flesh out those characters. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Because the other uh, thing is like, I think the, the, the other thing is like, I if, if they want to make it more cut and dry, like they need better. Like, I, I totally believe that Miko could be overprotective and paternalistic towards this person. Like that would be the natural way they would probably see each other. Right. Yeah. But like. You know, it would be it'd be better if like she was Magna was bucking against stuff that was more cut and dry that way. And like Miko was really overextending herself. But like it just they're not doing that story. And I think that's the story they're wanting to tell. But we'll see how it goes. Maybe or maybe Magna's just a little bit dumb. And she needs a bucket of water with some ice in it. As far as I'm concerned. Good old ice cream. So sort her out. Report to the infirmary for an ice cream. Everyone loves ice cream. (laughs) Uh huh. All right, Ezekiel comes back to Hilltop and tells everyone that oh, I'm good now. Don't worry, Jerry. Uh, you know, that stuff you heard about me wandering off into the woods to kill myself. Mm-hmm. That's over. Uh, Luke says goodbye to his friends as the wagon preps to leave for Oceanside. And in Alexandria, Daryl scrubs the graffiti off the door. I, how on a scale of one to ten, how invested are you in Professor's uh, Oceanside romance? I. I guess I like him. Uh, he's one of the more well-defined characters of that group. Uh, I feel like the strongest, the, the strongly defined ones are like Connie and Kel- Kelly. Um, yeah, they, yeah. They the ones have they've actually like, given a plot that's worth a damn to do. Yeah, they're real fucking characters. Luke is like borderline uh-huh. that character. I, I, I think he's yeah. you know just over the line. He's good. Uh, yeah, the other two, I don't know much about him, so I don't care. But yeah, Luke. Prison let's, let's get some Luke stuff. Competent bow girl. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to. And you know what? I actually really the times where they've had a romance in the show that uh, I've I've always been invested in because it's something. Yeah. Like romance happens everywhere in the middle of terrible wars, natural disaster, uh, family, you know, uh, love. Are and you time saying of love can bloom during, on the battlefield? Is that what you're saying? Can't any, anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> okay. uh, and and it's always been it's I was like that. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a shipper. So, yeah, I'm seeing several ships that could take flight. Ezekiel Michonne ship, that strong ship. Yeah, Professor and, and whomever. I, I can't even I, remember her name. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than what's go, what went on with Eugene and Rosita, right? Like, I'm I'm nine times more invested yeah. in that in Luke than I am in that whole thing. So, like, yeah, I've been like, yeah, yeah. You know, Luke's got like Rosita this awkward game. charisma. I yeah, I enjoy that character, and I think like the the woman they had play. Uh, fuck, what's her name? His his crush. Uh, she, oh yeah, I can't remember her name either. She's she was also to... very cute. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's I do like it. Him. 
Yep. Good, 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 good ship potential. And that's it. I want to see them see on a boat. I want to see them on a boat, on a All shrimp right. boat with Carol. Mm-hmm. Carol's going to sign with the lovebirds and it's going to drive her <laughs> fucking crazy. Bottle episode. <laughs> a little fan service, a little comedy stylings of Professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Odd couple. Yeah, She's I, on I speed. They're on the, the crack that is new love. <laughs> Maybe that's one of the bonus episodes that they're going to do. They're doing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I seriously doubt it, but you can hope. Yeah. Hey, we were right about the Rin Fair. That's true. That's true. And again, there we're we're getting this bomb. We're getting yep. this. We're totally yeah. getting this nuclear bomb. Did we talk about the scrubbing of the doors? Oh no. Yeah, Daryl's like that's the that's the the hopeful ending during the song about things falling apart and breaking Ugh. up because mm-hmm. he tried and it just didn't work. <laughs> it's great, it's a great emotional theme ender for the episode. But like, did you think it's funny the scope of the graffiti that's in Alexandria? Like, it's not just Daryl's door; it's like the whole fucking place is tagged up, man. The streets, oh. the sidewalks, the houses, the fence. You didn't see this. You must have been like gone into the finishing your notes mode for sure. Yeah. yeah, we went a whole like drone tracking shot of Alexandria. It's just <laughs> plastered. There's like 20, 30 silence to whispers in 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 sight of Daryl's front door. He's going to be scrubbing a long, long time. Wow. So much spray paint in the zombie apocalypse. That's yeah. shit. I guess the Man. shelf life on that's a long time. Yeah, and not not a ton of need for that. Like that's not the first thing you grab off the shelf when you're scratching for supplies. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Spray paint, but that's the episode. That's that's the episode. Alexandria just, just full of graffiti and broken windows now. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a commentary. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode, but we are going to have uh, a feedback episode on Stereo.com slash bald move and, and also pay attention because we're also cha- announcing a couple other changes here. Uh, starting next week, we're going to start doing our live recording of this podcast on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch.tv slash bald moves. That's starting this next week. The episode five of season 10, we're going to record live on Twitch.tv slash bald move. And then immediately after that, so whenever that is in the morning, in the afternoon, it might be two o'clock, it might be two fifteen, it might be two thirty. We're going to start the feedback show where we're going to and we're going to do that on Twitch as well live. But we're going to run it through Stereo.com slash bald move. So people that want to, everyone can watch the feedback show, but people that want to can get on Stereo.com and leave us feedback because um, it just doesn't seem like uh, the Wednesday night is 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 moving people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not an, like, like, uh, shocking that an 18 month old show that everyone's seen before <laughs> is not getting a ton of feedback. But if we have an existing audience on Twitch that are watching us live record, we might be able to move a couple of those people, uh, to, to help us out there. Yep. I still like, I, I can't wait to use stereo once we get back into a live environment, um, where, you know, we can have big live watches and instant takes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully later this summer when walking dead season 11 comes out, but for now, that's what we're going to do to tweak it. So this week on Wednesday night, uh, please show up at uh, uh, t- uh, stereo.com slash bald move um, for a little show. Jim and I will put on a little bit of a dog and pony. Hopefully people come up and leave us some feedback at stereo.com slash bald move against a free app. Let's you leave uh, feedback to us in, in your own voice. Um, but yeah, check that out. And we'll be back next week again, 
recording live on twitch.tv slash bald move at 1 p.m. That podcast will come out later that night. But immediately after our recording, we'll start the feedback show on stereo.com slash bald move. Hopefully that's not too confusing for everybody. We'll see how it goes. We're, we're trying, just trying to find new spots for this new technology yeah. to work in and uh, just playing around. There. Also continue to send us written feedback at watching dead at baldmove.com because we're going to be considering that uh, as we go into the half season mark. Um, you know what? We also could just dip into that to um, do some early going stereo stuff. You know, oh, yeah. get, get the, get, get the, get the, the pump, pump primed. Get, yeah. That's a good idea. All right. Anyway, next Wednesday, <laughs> this Wednesday, their final Wednesday night show. They're going to move it to Tuesday. You guys, you guys know it all. Twitch.tv slash bald move. Uh, Stereo.com slash bald move. We'll see you next week for the next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.